Welcome to the Stories of Light podcast. Are you searching for God-centered mentors in the network marketing industry? Are you striving for success or seeking to serve the kingdom? Do you want to build this business his way? You're in luck, friend. I'm Heather, and I'm excited to introduce you to some of the most successful God-centered leaders in the industry who are willing to share their wisdom and pour into you. Get excited for today's interview. All right, well, guys, I am so thrilled for y'all to meet Alex McMillan. Alex, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Heather. Yes. Well, Alex, your story has been so inspiring to me, as I know it will be to many today, that we actually met. Alex and I met several years ago when I decided to take the Habit Finder assessment and got connected with Alex as he was a personal coach for Amanda Ernest, which if you've been following the podcast, you've likely heard her story. And she was coaching with Alex and I had the opportunity to do a one hour coaching call with him several years ago. And honestly, in that one hour call, I can't tell you the impact that that had not only on my business, but also my life, my growing faith and integrating my faith into my business. And so get ready to be inspired by Alex's story today. So Alex, just to give you a little background on him, he is in network marketing. He is a top leader at Optavia, which is a health and wellness company that I know my in-laws have loved and used and had great success with. But he leads a massive team and organization there that does over 5 million in revenue monthly, (laughs) monthly. But in addition to that, he also has a bunch of different revenue streams that allow him to make a bigger impact here on this earth. But his overarching goal is certainly to impact the kingdom beyond here. So Alex, thank you again for being here. And I cannot wait to share more about your story. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting as I just hear you talking about, you know, impacting people's lives. Uh, I can remember a time in my life where that was impacting people's lives was not on my radar whatsoever. Mm. So looking back, it's like, wow, how did I become this person? And I think I have an idea but (laughs) praise God. (laughs) Yes. Well, I was so inspired to hear your background growing up when you attended our conference back in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. And I was just, I'd already met you and already, like I said, you'd already impacted my life at that point, but just hearing the deeper side of how the Lord showed up in your life at a very young age and how that has grown you into the entrepreneur that you are today I'm so excited for you to share that. So start at the beginning, share a little bit about your childhood and growing up, and maybe also a little bit about where you are now too. Yeah, for sure. You know, I sometimes feel like we can connect the dots, you know, from where we're at now looking back, right? Because if you ask me my perspective from the beginning, a totally different perspective. So I'm going to probably bounce a little bit to perspectives, but there's a major contrast. Like you think about movies, good movies have like, antagonist, antagonist. They have the superhero and they have the villains, <laughs> right? I think we all have that in our life. And when we realize that all of the adversities that we have in our life really are preparing us and refining us like gold to be useful, to be valuable. I mean, to reveal our value, you know? And so there's no mystery that that's what my life was doing, or that's what God was doing for me in my life. Uh, so as a child, I grew up in an area called North Portland and Northeast Portland. And Portland, Oregon is a very interesting liberal. I say interesting because it's interesting to me. Uh, My whole life, it's been a very interesting shifting town. It was a hippie town when I grew up as a kid. 
in the 70s, early 70s. And we lived in the Northwest and I always smelled natural gas everywhere I went and co-ops with food and free spirited people. And my mom was a bit of a hippie and whatnot. And growing up as a kid, I think I had a pretty good time. I have very vivid memories of being a child. And it was one of those things where life was quite interesting, but didn't think much about it until the gang started coming into the area. And I really didn't know much about gangs. It just was the way that it was. There was a lot of turbulence and violence in my neighborhood. And I really, it's funny because I didn't really recognize that violence until my mom decided to move us to my grandmother's address to put us into school. So we didn't actually move there. She just put it on the school registration papers that we lived in her neighborhood, right? So my brother Joey and I didn't have to go to middle school at the gang school, if you will. And so going to Beaumont Middle School was a wake-up call. My first day was like, you know, hey, you must be new here, this girl said to me. And I'm like, well, how, like, what do you mean? Like, how do you know I'm new? Because we started like kind of in the middle of the year. And she says, well, we don't have many black kids here. And, you know, or, or like, there's like, I think I, and I realized like, I'm black. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, did not, <laughs> I didn't ever think about my skin yeah. color, right? And my mom is a blonde hair, blue eyes, and my dad is black. But it's interesting. I never really thought about where's my dad much, like, because he wasn't, he was never around. I heard about him a little bit here and there. I remember seeing him little bits here and there. But I really didn't identify, you know, as being black per se until people told me that's what I was. I also didn't know I was poor (laughs) (laughs) middle school or or broke, if you will, because when everybody's wearing all these watches up their arms called swatches back in the (laughs) eighties, you know, you had like, didn't wear just a watch. You wore like multiple watches on your arms. I'm not sure if I'm totally dating myself, uh, Heather, but (laughs) people would wear these guards on top of these watches. And I was like, wow, I didn't even have a watch, let alone five watches on my arm. And then I realized how important what shoes you wore, right? <laughs> and the only clothes I had were like very spiritual clothes because they were really holy. Like, like, <laughs> like my clothes, my shoes were very spiritual. And I had Ned's, everybody else had Ked's, right? Uh, you know, I had Chuck Sailors, everybody had Chuck Taylor, Converse. And that was the thing. You had to have galactic wash jeans. Levi this or Keds in this. And you got, this is the era where like Back to the Future, you know, Michael oh, J. Yeah. Fox and this band called Wham, George Michael, wake me up before you don't go. <laughs> I'm coming from like hip hop zone, land, ghetto environment. Never thought much about it. R&B, all those things to alternative pop um, synth types of music. And you know what does any good chameleon do? You do your best to fit in. And I didn't realize I was a chameleon either, personality at all. <laughs> I'd only had one flavor of ice cream my whole life, and that's where I lived. And now here I am doing everything I can to fit in and not be that. Oh, I also figured out that I was fat too. I didn't know I was <laughs> overweight. <laughs> oh my because no one really said much in where I live. And that was a big deal. Like I got called fat. I got called mm-hmm. all these things. And I was about 30, 50 pounds overweight throughout my adolescent childhood. So long story short, wake up call, you're black, you're poor and you're fat. <laughs> and this led to me becoming like slightly depressed, right? Really quick. Yeah. And it's amazing because as tragic as, as horrible as it could be, something in me 
and I know it's God, just said, become all things to all people. It wasn't like I knew scriptures at the time. I didn't really. Miss Roberta, my Bible study teacher, was dripping seeds constantly. My mom, that's one thing my mom did is she always kept a Bible study teacher in our house. Like she always hosted it at our house. And so this is, again, hindsight wisdom. But I didn't know this scripture. I didn't know like Paul the Apostle, how he became all things to all people so that he might win some. So that was not my agenda or my MO at the time, but I did everything I could to fit in. I even tried to straighten my hair, oh, um, put on these clothes, fit in, and it started to work. It started to work. And by the sixth grade to the seventh grade, I finally had friends that genuinely liked me, ha, ha, genuinely, as I became mm. exactly what they needed for me to be, right? To me, but it was fun. I, I was enjoying myself. I was invited for sleepovers. There was a girl who liked me, Krista. She started to like me. I remember one day walking like behind her. I bought a Walkman. That was like the thing you gave music on. And I followed her all the way home to her house one day, getting up the courage to give her a Walkman that I bought for her because it was her birthday. And when I tried to give it to her, this was like before she started to like me. I tried to give it to her and I said, hey, Krista, I've got this Walkman. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I already have one. And there was like my heart sank and I was like, oh, okay. And then she walked in her house and that was like our exchange after like 20 minutes of stalking her home, trying to give her this document. <laughs> Fast track. She started to like me and, and things were going well. And I remember being in gym class and just like acknowledging myself and just going, wow, I really like it here. I really like my life. The next day, my mom said that my brother and I were being kicked out of the school. Mm. And I'm like, what, what's happening? And she said, you're going back to Whitaker Middle School. That's the gang school. She didn't say the gang school, but that's what I thought of it. That's what our rival, it was our rival school to the Beaumont Preppy School was the gang school down the road. And I had done so much to not be this black ghetto kid, to not be one of them, to make all this shift. Mm-hmm. Almost, I mean, really became prejudiced, literally became mm-hmm. very prejudiced against. And I'm, 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 I'm like a mixed guy, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm part black. But I would never have told you that. I would never have admitted that because I wanted so much to fit in and have more. And I remember like just everything I would do to make money. Like I'd never stole anything, but I would trade things or sell. I go buy candy bars and sell candy bars to make money, sell pepperoni sticks to kids so that I could buy clothes because my mom could not afford those for me. And we got told we were going to the gang school. I was like, what happened? What is it? And then I found out that my brother got in a situation with the teacher in his class and basically called the teacher a very obscene name Mm. and did some gesture. Apparently, my brother hadn't assimilated Mm. (laughs) culture (laughs) the way that I did. And that's actually a true story because my brother's completely the opposite of me. He's in the Portland protest riots and all that. Oh, goodness. You know what I mean? But, but, but God bless them. You know, it's like, we're still friends. My brother and I to this day, we don't talk a ton, but we, when we do talk, it's very vivid, vibrant conversation. But at that time, he was my worst. I hated him. Oh man. Like the first feeling of like hate and resentment, because when he got in that altercation, they said, you go to the principal's office and they said, what is your phone number? He has the phone number and we need to send a letter home. What's your address? And he gave our address where we lived in the ghetto, in the projects where mm. we live, not my grandmother's address. You know, mm. he didn't put it together. And I don't even know if I would have been able to. Long story short, they're like, that's not our school district. 
And wow. they shipped us out in one day, like out of there. And so I guess they went back to not having many black kids there. Um, so I going back and I'll just, I'll leave it at this for right now, going back to that other school, man, I had a lot of hate and bitterness. And I remember one of my first days being in that school, walking across the street, a beer bottle comes flying by my head and it smashes and breaks the bottle into the curb. And a lady goes, go home, you nigger. And that's what she said to me. Wow. And she screamed that at me. And Everything I had tried not to be like fit into all of a sudden now that's what I am. And I just was crying. And then that tears turned into anger as I'm walking home, like hating that I don't have blonde hair, blue eyes, yeah. hating that my mom, cause my mom is blonde hair, blue eyes, hating that I'm dark and all these things. And I would like start to look into how can I lighten my skin? How can I fit in? How can I do these things? And man, what a tormenting period of time. And all along during that time is something interesting was there something inside of me said, you're going to be great. Things are going to be okay. It's going to be amazing. And I remember this walk. I had this vivid imagination where I could make up characters. I could make up like storyline and I could do both the characters and I could have these conversations. They were very vivid to me. And I would, every time I'd walk home from school, that was my favorite time was just that long walk. There was no car rides. It was like two miles home. Mm -hmm. And I would just like rehearse being different people it was so interesting and, wow. and strange as I'm recalling this to you. But there was always an underlying tone that you are going to be great. Like something is going to be okay. And that gave me hope. Mm. And Heather, I'll leave it at this for right now at this chapter of my life, because this leads sure. to something pretty amazing. I learned how to fit into that school. I made the decision at some point in time to be there and to fit in. And I don't think I fully gave up my George Michael wham music, but <laughs> I picked up some of the music that was there, changed my clothes a bit, let myself go back a little bit to that side, started creating some friends. So always so bit of an outsider. Cause I, and that's one of the things I never fully fit into the preppy group. I started to fit in and right before I fully got into that identity, like that was broken. And I always kept one foot in and one foot out of the culture at the gang school. And that's going to go somewhere because this is a huge yeah. part of an awakening for me, <laughs> what God was wow. leading me to. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of that. So government cheese, yep. we ate for dinner. If wow. we wanted anything for dinner that was different, we had to go borrow it. There would be many days my mom wouldn't be home for days on end. And I would go borrow a cup of sugar on one door, knock on a door go borrow a packet of Kool-Aid at another door, go borrow some Wonder Bread from another door. We had mayonnaise in the fridge. Mm -hmm. I had the government cheese so I could slice that yeah, on. <laughs> or bologna, we always had those. So I would be able to put together a meal for myself by being able to knock on everybody's door and make a meal for me and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> but we, wow. You know, that, was, that was growing up. Wow, what a story. And as a mom of a middle schooler, I can totally remember how those days, and now I see it in my daughter, how they shape you into who you really are. And I think a big part of that is trying out those different types to find out who the Lord really wants you to be and how to recognize the true you even many years later down the road. So I love, I love those stories. So how did you come to build a deeper relationship with the Lord? I mean, it sounds like you even had those little seeds of hope and faith and an amazing Bible study teacher back then, but how did that translate to you giving over that control and desire to the Lord? Yeah. So I'm going to go 
and tell you about a special woman in my life. And I had the opportunity to speak at her funeral. Her name was wow. Miss Roberta. And my mom, as much as her life was turbulent and she did the best that she could with what she had been given, I won't go into her childhood or her upbringing. Just know that it was a very, very difficult one for her. And then, you know, again, she grew up in the hippie era. So she was able to kind of escape into that. And it was like her mechanism. But my mom basically had a lot of spiritual intervention experiences on her hippie journey, which always in her mind planted her to come back to a church or come back to God. As much as she was doing all the things that she did, there was one thing that she would tell us is that God loves you, Alex McMillan, Alexander Lee McMillan. That's my name. She'd say, God loves you, Alexander Lee McMillan. And she'd also tell me, if there's one thing that's going to be great for you, it's going to be your ability to speak in your mouth. And if there's one thing that's going to get you in trouble, it's your ability to speak in your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> oh, that's great. So with that, she invited Mr. Roberta into our house to teach Bible study. And Mr. Roberta would come to the Housing Authority Projects and go a couple different homes. And my mom hosted it for years. And there was one day, just to give you a look into Miss Roberta's heart, there was one day, my best friend and I, David at the time, got into a fight, an actual physical altercation. He was older than me, and he was going to show me not to mouth off to him. He had planned this for one day. He says, tomorrow, I'm going to beat your butt, in other words. <laughs> I did never back down to anything. And I was like, go for it. Let's see what you got. And I'm like, oh, man, he's bigger than me. He's blah, blah, blah. Somehow, it's like David and Goliath. God had allowed me in my life to never get beat up. I'm not kidding. I never got beat up. Like I got hit in the face once by a kid that was like, you know, better me, but I was able to like get out of the situation. So anyhow, with David, I was able to trip him, hold him down. I never wanted to hurt him though. So I was holding him in a headlock. Miss Roberta pulls up in a car for Bible study while I've got this kid down in a headlock on the ground. <laughs> and I see her and immediately my heart is pierced in the heart. So whatever wow. she'd been teaching, whatever God was doing, like I did not. She was like God watching me. Like all of a sudden, that's what it felt. I never really felt that conviction before, Heather. Yeah. Like mm. ever pierced in the heart, like more wow. to God. I let David go. David, not listening to the same messages, didn't care that <laughs> <laughs> Roberta was there. Just full on comes at me. And I don't know what it was, but God's like, move this way. And I'm like, I move that way. He goes flying. It's like watching a Karate Kid movie where he's like, I'm somehow learned all these skills like in a <laughs> minute. And he smashes into the ground. He gets back up with rage. And Mr. Bird is walking towards me while this is all happening. Finally, I'm like, I got to stop the guy. So I somehow grabbed a hold of him, got him in another headlock. And here's what Mr. Bird says to me. She says in her little Southern voice, Alex, you going to come in this Bible study soon? I'll see you there. <laughs> That's what she said. She just walks right by us in the parking lot. Wow. And I'm like, who was that? And I'm just like, are you done? Are you done? I'm telling my friend David, like, are you done? Like, I, I'm going to let you up if you don't. He's like, he's like, I'm going to, he's still talking. It took like two minutes to get him to realize he's not going anywhere. Oh, and I have this superhuman strength all of a sudden to do this. So I let him go. I go in that Bible study, and here's what she said nothing. She said nothing to me. Wow. She looked over at some point and she said something about, oh, glad you can make it in because she didn't notice I wasn't there. And then she said, and that's the moment, like, I think deep inside, deep in my deepest parts, because I couldn't tell you this academically or cognitively then, 
that I understood what grace and mm -hmm. what a bigger picture was. This woman looked into my intrinsic soul and did not judge my extrinsic, my external actions and behaviors. And the fact that I'm talking about her, you know, here I am, that was probably the age of 14, you know, maybe 12, maybe 12, wow. 12, 12, 13. That's the age of 12 or 13. And here I am talking about her, you know, when I'm 47 years old. That, wow. that memory, that's what, that's what I remember the most about that situation. I don't think, oh, I was so cool. I got out of that situation. I showed my friend. That's not even it. It's like that woman showed me a love and mercy to overlook sin and wow. the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. And I always wanted to be in her Bible studies. Like whatever she did there, I never wanted to miss a Bible study with that woman. Mm -hmm. So that story was, was key. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where I gave my heart. This is, mm -hmm. is that what you want to know? You want to know where? Yes, I sure. Well, I mean, that's a powerful example. And I think that story and that inspiration of how someone else's story and living by that example and wanting mm -hmm. to be more like that, even if it was a sweet Southern <laughs> woman who sounds like mm -hmm. she had a completely different life than you did at the time, but yet her actions were what inspired you to then show that grace and love and mercy to others, which is the most beautiful part of the gospel. So yeah, tell us more. Yeah, so this part right here, I've not shared more than one time publicly. Okay, I've shared, shared it privately with a few people that was relevant to. So there was a dry season. I can't tell you that after that Mr. Berta situation that I just started following the Lord and straight and narrow. Nope, on the contrary. That's when it was planted in my heart that God truly has a mercy and a love that surpasses, you know, all the Bible scriptures you could say with your mouth. She demonstrated the word to me at that point in time. And I can tell you this looking back, but after that point, I really went off the deep end in a few areas of my life, like just really pursuing to get out of the ghetto, pursuing to get out of the situation. A man had been beaten on my doorstep toward the point where his skull was coming out of his head. And he then came crashing into our house, like to get away from the person who was beating him. The man was the mother of his son, Jesse, who mm. lived across the apartment window from me, was apparently having an affair with another guy. And the other guy was younger and tougher and beating this old man practically to death because his skull was coming out of his head. And he wow. comes into our house with his skull out. My mom jumps up, freaking out, beats this younger guy off of Jesse D, the older guy, and basically calls the hospital and basically puts a bandage around his head. Those are my memories of my years growing up. One of my friend's dads was shot and killed right by our parking spot. Uh, oh, no, it's not shot. He was stabbed by his brother. In, oh, in gosh. Area. Very rarely would there be a time when there'd be men in our neighborhood without there being a police car involved and or gunshots or somebody getting carted off. Very uh, interesting. But that's what it was. It was single moms on welfare with deadbeat dads, if you will. And I didn't know that. I didn't think about it as deadbeat dads. We just didn't, nobody whenever dads came around, something was going to happen. Like whenever men came around, it was like men, these women were constantly being used by guys in that situation. And I just remember my life just wanting to get out of that. I don't mm. want this. I'm going to make money. I'm going to get rich. I'm not going to be on welfare. I'm not going to be one of these people who complains about the government. I'm not going to be one of these people who blah, 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 because I'd had enough contrast by going to my grandma's neighborhood at this point in time 
to not say at the time I would have said that's better. And I will say fast track, if we don't get to this part in the interview, I want you to know I'm sure. not bitter. I mean, I've totally, I wouldn't say totally, but I think I've healed to where mm. now I'm under, I have a lot more grace and love and compassion for all people. But I hated myself at a time mm. when I was trying to escape that life. I hated the life I had, if you will. And so I did everything I could at that point to make money so I could have more. And I, at the age of 14, got a job. And then 15, I got my actual legal ability to have a job. And then by the time I got a car, I, got a, I bought, was able to buy my first car like for 500 bucks, a Chevy Nova at the age of 16. I actually bought it at 15. And then I started delivering drugs. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> but, but it was for Providence Medical Pharmacy. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting. That's funny. <laughs> and in that delivering the drugs, it was like Parkinson's medications and various. I never even thought to look at what these meds were. I'm sure I could have been like skimmed them. But I never think oh, about goodness. that. Miss Roberta, somehow in there, God speaking yes. to me, don't be a thief. So I never was, I never stole any of this stuff. I took money from people, brought it to the pharmacy, delivered, had this route, figured out how to drive all over Portland, Oregon, delivering stuff. And then from one thing to another, got another job in sales, got another job, got another job and started making actual good income. And then from there, I'm going to fast track over my network marketing and I'll come back to that yeah. in a moment. But at the age of yeah, 20 to 22 was the darkest. Mm. Like this is the point where I got into the wrong crowds with some drinking. I never got into the drugs. I went to a couple raves where they were giving out drugs and mm -hmm. I did try something once and it didn't do anything for me. And I'm really glad it didn't. <laughs> and, and I remember I tried smoking some marijuana once and it really <laughs> didn't do anything. And I remember like, it was like, interesting. It's like I was being protected or something. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm not going to do this. I was so scared doing those things. It was, again, there was this conviction that said, right. this is not you, this is not for you. But everything else I got into, mm -hmm. I got into, you know, trying to get girls, trying to fit in. And I, by this point time from 19 to 20, I had really lost a lot of weight. I got into the gym. I remember one incident where a girl I really, really liked broke up with me. She was having some relationship with another guy and I was so depressed. And I was a car salesman at this oh, wow. dealership. And one of the guys walked up to me while I was sitting there and he smacked me in the head really hard. And I could have jumped up and fought the guy, but it was like a Dwayne Johnson looking guy. You know, The Rock? Mm -hmm. it's Jesse Alexander. I'll never forget him. He's like six foot two, <laughs> full of muscles. And he says, you need to get your fat bleep in the gym. You're depressing all of wow. us. Do something with your life. And that was the time from 19 to 20-ish that I transformed my physical health. Instead of fighting the guy, I said, okay, what time do you go to the gym, <laughs> right? All the other guys were like, you're just a punk and a bleep, 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 right? But I went to the gym and I had lost 55 pounds in like four or six months, transformed my body. People were like, you should be an underwear model. You look amazing. <laughs> I had abs. I was ripped. I never had, I mean, 50 pounds overweight to being striated, ripped, like amazing. Wow, quickly. And I got attention that was not good for me. Let's put mm -hmm. it that way. And that's what led into that era of those dark days was yeah. having too many choices, having too much attention. The need to be seen started coming into me, the need to impress people. Finally, after all these years, I was getting 
like, you know, back to that feeling that I had at Beaumont where people were liking me and I was all of a sudden attractive. Everyone wanted to know, how did I get in so in shape? And so as, as negative as that could have been and the stuff that I got into that, that I'm not proud to say that I was into and the scenes and the circles mm -hmm. that I got into, um, I wanted to help people get healthy. That's how that was born. I'm like, how do I, how do I, and I would train anybody and everybody on how to get into that kind of shape. Well, this led one thing to another. And I had this girlfriend and we were living together in her dad's trailer on his farm property. And I fell in love with the farmland out there. And the relationship was not a godly relationship whatsoever. Just being real. Everybody wants to hear like all like, you know, all the stuff is good. And I don't know about your audience, but I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right. I could feel it. And things came to a head and I'm just going to keep it real. One day her and I got into a major argument and I'm just, just leave it at this. I no longer wanted to be me. I no longer wanted this life. I didn't think about killing myself, but spiritually, I really did not want this person, like who this was. She left the trailer after a big fight. And I remember going and drinking in a field and then coming back, pretty much driving home drunk. And I've never told this out publicly. Like this is like told it privately. And I started to cry out, God, are you real? Are you real? Like, are you, is there really a God? Like, wow, who am I? And I, I, I'm going to hold it together because, because I really want to share this principle. Crying out is so important when you wow. don't know. And I wasn't just sitting here like I hadn't been reading the Bible. I hadn't been anything or whatever. I would maybe would like, if someone asked me if I was a Christian, I would say yes. But I mm -hmm. was not talking about God. I was not thinking about God. And I started screaming. It was like in the Bible talks about supplication and prayer. I started like just letting it out. And I then this wasn't a plan. Nobody told me to do this. Wow. And I was just sitting there and this lasted for like two or three hours. And I remember punching through the trailer door. Like it was like a, you know, press board type door. It's a manufactured home type thing. And my hands bloody. I remember punching a hole in the wall and I'm like looking at myself, like beside myself, who is this? Who is this violent, angry? And just tears were pouring down my face. And then this was the prayer. I'm down. I don't know if I'm on my knees or if I'm just laying on the floor, but I'm exhausted. I'm, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with my chemicals at this point because of what I drank. And I'm just, but all of a sudden, I'm like empty. And I said this. I said, God, if you're real, if there's really a God, would you show me? Would you show me that there really is? And it was like this decision of I'm either going to just live and be this heathen guy or I'm going to really, really, I didn't know just whatever God wanted if there was a God. I can't tell you the words of what it was going to be like because there was no context of how the spirit really speaks to you. So clearest thing ever happened to me. Wow. Tiffany came home, that's her name, and I said, no longer can be with you. 
I moved out, called a friend, and he let me move in with him. He was a, a guy who worked out at the gym. A friend of mine calls me up the next day and he says to me, how did you get so successful, Alex? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, your body, your girlfriend, your car. I had like a Toyota 4Runner 300ZX. And I was a personal trainer at the time. I forgot to mention that. And he goes, just everything, man. Just You just seem to be doing so good. I want what you want. Would you teach me how to get what you have? And I looked at him and I said, Rob, that was his name. I was like, I just broke up with the girl. My car's for sale. And I just got rid of everything I own. I got rid of all my CDs, all my music. I threw my TV in the garbage. He's like, are you crazy? I said, yeah. I'm totally crazy. Because <sighs> I know what I just told you is the craziest thing in the world. But he said, what happened? And I told him. And I said, I think I'm supposed to follow God. Wow. And he said, tell me about God. Wow. And I said, I don't know much. So he opened up the front of a Bible. And it said how to be saved. And we said some things, said some prayers. And Rob accepted the Lord into his heart. Now, I'm not telling you that your doctrine lines up with that. I'm not saying that, you know, maybe you're not supposed to go get baptized or not supposed to be discipled first. I'm not saying that you're not supposed to go through a path like that. But that's all I knew at that time. Mm -hmm. But how did I even know to bring that to him? Because I felt so fake and even trying to tell him anything about God. But I was smart enough to know maybe there's some instructions somewhere. He walks away that night and goes, I don't feel any different. And he goes, I don't have a Bible. I go, you can have this Bible. So I gave him a Bible. That was the beginning of my seeking. That was my beginning of becoming a true disciple. That was my beginning of wanting to know, did, is what we read in that book that it said to do this, this, and this to Rob? Is that really how you're supposed to do it? Is that really what God wants? Is that why would you even do that? Why would you say those things? I didn't know why you would say this prayer or why you would do that. I questioned everything. I felt so inauthentic, but I wanted to be authentic. The next night, this is like second night later, Rob comes to me and he says, Alex, I was reading the Bible you gave me. And a guy comes in at 2 a.m. at 24-hour fitness. That's where he worked. And he says, what are you reading? And he says, I'm reading the Bible. And he goes, oh, I didn't know you read the Bible. He goes, no, I just got saved. Because that's the dogma. That's the way that you yeah. say it. Like, you know, right? Because like, right. We, we both said you're, you're saved now. Because that's what it says. <laughs> I was already saved because when I was a kid, you know, I did the whole thing, you know, and my mom mm -hmm. had me baptized when I was a kid and all this other stuff. That's, that's my mind. My mind already mm -hmm. done all that. I never really given my life to the Lord. I followed <laughs> the regimented steps that you're supposed to put your kids through, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, their hippie life and all the other things. My mom's amazing, by the way. I, I just got to say this right now. I'm going to have a great relationship today, right? She sounds amazing. She, she, she's a phenomenal human being. She would give you the shirt off her back. She just struggled in her life, you know? Like mm -hmm. my mom is one of the most humble, gentle, grateful people. Like, you know, at the same time, she's very excitable too, like me. Um, <laughs> so, so back to the story, Rob is there 
And this other guy, muscle guy says, do you know what you're reading? And he goes, no, I'm just random. He goes, can I show you? And that man began like the book of Isaiah or, or like, yeah. like uh, the, the eunuch back in the uh, uh, Philip and the eunuch from the Bible in the book of Acts, where, where this evangelist is delivered to this person reading the word. It was like that. I didn't know it at the time because I've read the scriptures now. And he showed my friend that he needed to come to fellowship. He needed to get into the community. And so my friend says, hey, they've got this Bible study in this community thing going. Do you want to come? And I was like, well, maybe, maybe you're getting into some weird thing. I don't know. I'll come to protect you. Like I went there and man, I met teachers. I'm, I heard things. The spirit was upon me. It was like the spirit of the Lord was upon me. (laughs) You know, liberty was being proclaimed. The captive was being set free all from my worst, darkest day of drunkenness, punching trailer doors out, being in a horrible situation that wasn't, you know, whether you judge it wrong or right, you know, um, it, it, it was the beginning. It was that death to life moment where I cried out and I asked for the Lord to come in and I started knocking and seeking. And man, since the age of 22 or 23, this kind of formative time, 22, 23, right around there to now, it has been an amazing journey of inspired ideas, knowing the word, leading people, evangelizing, traveling, all while building business. So we can mm. talk about business. I realize the time is flying by as I'm telling you the story. No, it's so good. <laughs> That's when I literally just turned my heart to saying, because the healing that started happening, the freedom I felt, that my mind was clear for the first time ever. I wanted for nothing other to drink more of this word and for more people to hear this word. And mm. I can't tell you how many people in different countries I've ministered to or baptized in a swimming pool now or oh various God. things. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a taste into that side of my life. <laughs> I love it so much. And it reminded me of Second Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And mm-hmm. to me, that's like, it so exemplifies your story. And it actually reminds me a little bit of Michelle Meyer. She was a previous mm-hmm. guest on the podcast, Beach Body Coach. But she and you both had these really kind of terrible experiences in the fitness, in the way that you felt when you were kind of pursuing those worldly things, if you will, or the temporal desires of this world. So how did you transition from there to then having successful fitness companies, both in the traditional business realm, and then obviously leveraging where you are now in terms of network marketing? So how did you go from that weakness where you were following God's footsteps into business? Yeah. So one of the things that really I've been given is to be able to go through adversities and to look for what's next. (laughs) So being at that gym and then having an opportunity come up with a builder who was a very successful builder in the area uh, to go to his house and to celebrate somebody who just got their real estate license or whatever. I didn't know this builder. And he asked me what I did. And I said, I was a personal trainer. And he said, I need a personal trainer. And he had this $5 million home. It was amazing. He was one of those prominent people in the Portland, Oregon area. And I was like, okay. And I'm an opportunist at the time. I was like, I'd never trained anybody at their home. I'd always work in the gym. And he goes, what would you charge me to come out to my house and train me two or three times a week? And I'm like, can I make like $20 an hour at the other place? 
uh, to 24 hour fitness, maybe 50 bucks an hour. I just popped that in my head. And so I just said 50 bucks an hour. And he goes, Oh, that's cheap. He goes, Yeah, you're hired. Right. And I was like, what? Like that was like my first like opportunity of entrepreneurialism right there. And long story short is I went over, started training him. And then he referred me to like the head of Portland Metropolitan. And I started training that guy. And then he referred me to somebody. The next thing you know, I'm kicked out of 24-hour fitness. They fired me uh, <gasps> because they saw me selling like fitness bars out of the back of my car. I still have that young oh my kid. And they were like, yeah, you can't be buying things at your employee discount and doing this. So I'm trying to think about where this was in the timeline. No, I was still seeking the Lord at this time. I wasn't stealing or robbing Mm -hmm. in my mind. I was just buying things at a discount Mm -hmm. and selling them for more, training these other people. So when they let me go from that job, I was like, I'll just gain more of these at-home clients. And then I realized that this is not efficient. I'm driving all around with a Bowflex Mm -hmm. in the back of my car, training all these clients. And then so at 24-Hour Fitness, I was mentoring other trainers on how to acquire clients. I was really good at talking to people and helping them see their vision and their heart. I actually had a gig on this, this uh, TV show where the owner of the previous gym, Gold's Gym, who sold the 24-Hour, he would let me go on to this fitness show or the show on the news and train the celebrities of like the newscasters and all that stuff. So oh, I'd be like a trainer doing that. Right. So I had all these little things going on. And then this came to a head where 24 hour fitness let me go. And then I was training all these people. And I'm like, this is inefficient. So one of these trainers I used to mentor was moving to San Diego. And Tyler, he called me up and he goes, Do you want to buy out my fitness clientele? And I was like, Yeah, I want to buy them out. So I'm going to fast track here. I bought them out. That club closed down. (laughs) Another club was opening up. I went over there to that club. I ran the fitness department. And this is what happened. That fitness department was blessed. I was in the word at this time. I was leading Bible study groups, teaching ministry, going from door to door, knocking on doors, starting Bible studies at this time. I would literally get with a group of men and we would go to different towns and we'd start these satellite Bible studies and ministries. And my heart was just so into serving people. It wasn't scary at all. Like talking to people, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't throw and hit you over the head. I had this ability to know what to say and what not to Mm -hmm. say and create a friendship first. It was like, I didn't think about this. And in this time, this health club that I was in was failing. This second Mm -hmm. health club was failing. My fitness department was thriving. The way my pay structure was set up, Heather, was that I got a certain override percentage of how well the fitness department did. So apparently, and I didn't know the fitness club was failing, I'm making a lot of money, like five to $7,000 a month income, which was a ton for me being like, however old I was, 24 or 25 at the time. And I was about ready to buy a house. So I was saving up money, like totally. And then a guy from that was in my Bible study that I had ministered to, he comes to me, you're being gossiped about. They are telling that they're going to let you go. They're going to take over the fitness department. And Keith is saying all this stuff about you. He's one of the owners that actually had hired me to come in and run the fitness Mm -hmm. department and blah, 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 blah. And long story short, it hit me. Speak evil of no man. Wow. Like give pay homage to the king. And if you have an odd against somebody, go to them and tell them. I told Josh, I said, Josh, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm like, there must be a reason he's saying this about me. There must be a reason he's saying I'm extorting the company. He's the only one making money. We got to let him go. We got to get this money back in, you know, whatever. 
So I just said to Josh, let it go. He goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do anything. I don't know. I go to Keith the next day, shaking in my boots, praying, Lord, give me the words. Show me what mm -hmm. to say, what to do. Show me what to say, what to do. This, by the way, is the bridge, Heather, to all the coaching that I do, wow. all the success, all the growth that I have. Like this moment, like this God wisdom that's in the word, all these things I'm telling you are in the word. Like I'm supposed to do them. I'm supposed to live them. I'm not just supposed to like preach them in a Bible study. Mm -hmm. This is my opportunity to humble myself, right? And I don't know how the Lord's going to minister this or not. And I go to Keith and I said, hey, Keith, I'm coming to you. I sat down and I just want you to know, I'm really sorry about whatever's going on. I'm coming to you because I think it's best that you come to somebody when you hear something. Mm. And I want to tell you something is being said. And he goes, what's being said? I said, there's gossip going on. And someone is saying, people are saying that I'm on the chopping block and that I'm the only one making money. And they said that you're saying that. And I don't know what to say to you. I'm sorry. I don't know what I've done, but whatever I can do to help, let me know. Wow. He backpedaled. He was like defensive. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know. I have never been trained on how to say this or do this other <laughs> at the time. I didn't know what intrinsic validation mm -hmm. was. All this. God's just like, like stay humble, right? Pay homage yes. to the king because he's the king. He's the person who mm -hmm. pays the bills, right? <laughs> you know, yes. whoever's Whoever's face is on the money, that's who you pay taxes. Yes. To, you yes. know, and like all the scriptures coming out of me, practical, oh real time to show this respect. And he says, you know, I'm sorry about all this. He goes, yeah, you know, we do need to make a change. We got to figure this out. My other business partners are trying to cut me out. I guess I'm just frustrated. And the next day, Keith was let go. <gasps> and I was sad to see him go. I tried to negotiate owning the fitness department. They said no. And I said, what do mm -hmm. I do? They said, they said, you know, you can either work under this structure or you can get out. And I said, okay, I guess I'm getting out. Wow. Fast track. I get a phone call from Keith Winsel. He calls me up and he says, I hadn't heard from him. I didn't talk to him. Mm. Him and I were friends. Right. He goes, I'm the special operations director for Bowflex International. And that's the, you know, the big fitness company. Yeah. Flexes and all that other stuff. Yeah. And he goes, we are developing, expanding Bowflex beyond the power rods into these new technologies, and this thing called a tread climber, these things called select tech dumbbells where you can dial in the weight. And nobody knew about this stuff. Wow. He calls me and he goes, we're having major problems with these celebrity talents that we've hired and major problems with these organizing these things. We need somebody who can transform people's lives from here to there. And we want to hire you. And I'm like, why do you want to hire him? But I didn't say it. Why? That's what I'm getting inside. But here's how I said it because I'm a chameleon. I know how to put this. I'm like, oh, thank you, Keith. Sounds like a good opportunity. Just put the game face on. Yeah, this is what yeah. I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one thing I was given. Like, like that mm -hmm. ability. To just, your gift. Yeah. That's right. So if, if I could just say to your audience, sometimes you just got to like step up, right? Versus like shell shock. I'm like, okay, tell me more about this. What's going on? And then I said, you know what, Keith, I got to ask you a question. We haven't talked for two years. You're calling me up. You can know all these. He started to name his letters. I work with Jackie Chan. I work with blah, 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 so-and-so and so-and-so, yeah. so -and -so, all these people. And they're like, well, we want to hire you. And I'm like, why did you call me after two years? Why do you want to hire me? Guess what he said, Heather? Did he reflect back on that conversation and the mercy and grace that you- He reflected back to that conversation. Wow. And said, 
you don't get caught up in drama. Wow. When I was at my worst. You came to me. He says, your department was successful. Everybody in that gym liked you. It was like it was your gym. I didn't even think about it. I never thought it was my gym. This is him telling me that. I never had that complex Wow. Like my gym. It was like almost Joseph in Potiphar's house or Joseph mm -hmm. in the jail or the prison, right? You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a story where he's kicked out. And I never thought of it like that whatsoever. And he said, I need someone who's not going to get caught up in the drama, who I know I can trust, who's going to come to me and tell me, mm -hmm. and who's going to make this go all the way through. And he goes, that's you. Would you wow. take this contract? Okay. Then he said, how much are you going to charge? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go again. <laughs> now I learned my lesson the first time. <laughs> Wasn't $50 an hour, I'm guessing. <laughs> Wasn't $50 an hour. I did the math, six weeks of my time. I'm making this. Okay, got to add in some extra. <laughs> I said, it's going to be $39,000 for six weeks of my time to run this transformation challenge, blah, blah, blah. Guess what his response was? Sure. Let's that's do it. cheap. Wow. Oh! Same answer. <laughs> Whoa, really? That's it? He goes, are you sure that's going to cover everything? I'm like, well, maybe not. But we had made an agreement. And bam, yeah, yeah. that contract went on to make me between three fifty dollars to $400,000 over the next wow. 10 years. Just wow. doing transformation stories. All the infomercials that you saw for that 10-year period of time between the year 2001 and 2011, 2012 were all the people who got in shape on a Bowflex, all the people who got in shape with the tread climbers, Flectex. I was the guy who would find those people, get them in wow. shape, take them to Hollywood for these celebrity interviews, get into these houses and show their, anyhow, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Wow. In that process of time of that, I started exploring just being entrepreneurial and mm -hmm. taking risks and Nike ended up having me do products. I started traveling wow. internationally. I literally have been to Moscow, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. I mean, I just keep naming countries, presenting on the fitness circuit. And in that process, mm -hmm. building up a training studio, a women's only health club, a full-on athletic gym, owned all these gyms and all these things. And then what ended up happening, won a bunch of awards, business director of the year award, a large, better business bureau of the year award, a lot of wow. other things, international program director of the year award, just by helping and serving people in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then another fall happened. Oh, no. My first wife, because I've been divorced, and I went through the ringer. Mm. And let's just say that that marriage didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I lost myself in that. Mm. And it was one of the most humbling, again, not the cry out like that first time, but mm -hmm. this one was, who are you? that you could have missed and pretended for all these years that you were happy ministering Bible studies, things are great building business, was not taking care of my household, was not taking care of my marriage, need, meeting the needs of my wife yeah. emotionally, blaming her for things. She was blaming me for things. It was a major immaturity when it came to relationship mm -hmm. fortitude. This time we had two kids mm -hmm. and she wasn't looking back. She's like, no, we're not coming back together. And I ended up basically walking away from about a million point five in assets. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the situation. Sure. Let's just say there was a situation and I was shown by the Lord to give it all up. Wow. To walk away with one year's worth of pay, which is about 80,000. Well, 
you know, you can claim right taxes down or whatever. Mm, sure. So we took what we had claimed on our taxes, divided that into, that's what I was given out of the account. I was given my BMW and that was it. And I gave everything. I just signed everything over. Not because of what her attorneys were doing or because of what she was saying was because the Lord showed me that wow. I needed to let it all go and not got, yeah. get caught up in the war with my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm in a hospital bed mm -hmm. and I'm bleeding out of my rear end, literally. Wow. An ulcer that had burst in my intestines. Oh my goodness. Yes. They said, you may not make it. What? Call your family. I called up my ex-wife while we were in divorce proceedings. And she says, I'm not coming there to see oh, you. Oh my goodness. You can have one of your friends come and pick up the kids. As the kids are coming, I'm praying again. I'm crying out and I'm saying, Lord, if you will deliver me from this, I will serve you and I will help wow. couples. I will help people. I will wake up to whatever it is I have not been waking up. Here's another level. I wasn't thinking about the 10 years ago where I had the revelation in the trailer. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about Keith Winslow and the Bowflex deals and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I didn't care about anything that I had. I literally just signed over wow. everything. And I'm sitting here about to die and I have no strength in me. I can't even sit up or stand up because my blood pressure is too low because of the blood I'm losing. And I cry out again, but this isn't rage cry out. It's Lord, I trust you. That's what this cry was. Lord, I trust you. If you spare my life, I will serve you. But if you don't spare my life, just keep my soul for eternity. That's what it was. Wow. And the warmth and the joy and the wow. freedom came over me in that moment. And I was, I could lights out and be dead in one second and I'm okay. Except I was like, Lord, I don't want my kids to be here while I'm dead. Mm. <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah. in the hospital, would you let me see them? They came, I gave them hugs. And if you're wondering how the story worked out, I lived. Yeah, right, right. God had more plans for you. Clearly still does. I get off of the table from when they're going to go do this surgery. One of my clients is the surgeon. And I didn't know this. One of my gym clients wow. was the surgeon. And I look up at him and I go, Lamar. And he goes, Alex? And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I thought it was really weird that you're here. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I got some interesting news for you. He goes, I'm not much of a miracle guy. Wow. But whatever was causing you to lose all that blood, it's not there anymore. What? It's not there anymore. He goes, this picture shows this little itty bitty capillary right here that looks a little red and it's got a little bit of blood dripping. You can see that right there. And he's showing me some insides of my intestines. Wow. And he goes, but all the blood that the doctors and nurses have reported that you were losing through out of your rear, right? You are healed. And I went in there from the top and the bottom and scoped you and goes, so unless I missed something, which I don't think I did, because that's what I'm trained to do. Wow. You're fine. Oh my. And I goodness. said, it was God. I said, the Lord healed me. And I said, I won't tell you the whole wow. story, but I'll tell you that I had a little hallelujah moment. I get hired to go do this contract. Now, this is the last piece I'm going to tell you right here. And then yeah. I'll let you ask me more questions. <laughs> I was already hired to do this other contract to go speak in California, Costa Mesa, California, an Irvine area. We're close to where Amanda Ernest lives. I didn't know her mm -hmm. at the time. This is 2011, 2010. And I'm supposed to speak on sales and marketing and how to blow it up in the fitness business, how to sell and market. And I had just gotten off my deathbed. I'm in the middle of divorce proceedings. I just signed over all of my wealth and all my assets that I spent so long 
building up over this 10 year period of time. And I'm about to go speak to fitness professionals and health professionals on how to go make a million dollars in the <laughs> fitness business and how to become a celebrity and all that other stuff. And I contact, I don't know how late it was. I contact the owner of this thing. His name is Bedros and he still owns major empire. He's a major speaker. I'm not saying that you should follow him or not follow him at all, but he's a big podcaster and all this stuff. Now he's a massive multimillionaire guy. I call him up going, Bedros, I know you hired me to speak on sales and marketing. I can't do it. Wow. What? He goes, what? I go, I've got something better. Oh. I've got a talk that's going to change these people's lives and put them on fire for life. For really, it will cause them more sales. It'll cause them more marketing. He just goes this. He's so bottom line. He just goes, is this really going to be better? And if it is, it better be. And then he goes, because I'm going to trust you because I won all these awards. That's why he hired me because I was this Mm award-winning guy. And I'm sitting there going, it's going to be better. I'm up the phone. I'm like, God, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Oh I gosh. listened to this voice that you cannot give that talk. And I really was not clear on the talk that night. <laughs> I'm like typing up this presentation called Driven, wow. how to unleash your superpowers, basically. Right. And I'm not going to even tell you all what the talk was about. There's a video. People could get it or whatever. You can link it in the show notes. Yeah. So check it out. I don't even know if I can even find the video, but okay, we'll try. <laughs> but like, let me just, this is it. Cause you're asking like, how did this all happen? Right. I go up on this stage and I was present. I talked and I said things that came out about life and I was vulnerable. I shared wow. stuff about life and what I was shown. I shared how my life transformed from this. I didn't share the fullness mm-hmm. of some of those other stories that I just shared with your audience. Mm-hmm. I pulled people up on stage. I asked them questions. Let me just put it this way, because I know people want to know what was to talk about. Just here's no this, the result. People were crying. They were laughing. This guy, this big old bodybuilder, 300 pounds, muscles, gets on the stage. He's got this camera. He's like, Alex McMillan just gave the most motivational blah, blah. I'd never done this before in my life. I had never given a God-inspired, overnight, fully present. Wow. It's because I got out of my own head. I got out of the agenda of life. I came in the present and said, I will listen. And the words mm-hmm. started coming out onto the paper. I gave the talk. A woman comes up to me afterward. A lot of people came up after me, but this woman jockeyed her way mm-hmm. through the audience. Little five foot two, Sam Prestonbach, Samantha Prestonbach from Louisiana, Mandeville, <laughs> Louisiana, comes up to me with tears in her eyes. And she says, Alex, my husband and I need you in our life. That's what she said. And I'm the guy going through the divorce. I'm wow. the guy who's just willing to give it all up. And she goes, we are, our lives are in shambles. We look like we're pretending to be tens on this life, but we are already on the verge of a divorce. We are at the point where we have, I'm pregnant again with our second child. Wow. We have a little child. We're about to go bankrupt in our fitness business, all this other stuff. And all of a sudden she starts getting nervous. I'm like, what's wrong? And she says, He's coming over. He can't see me crying, talking to you. He will lose it. He will lose it. She was wow. so afraid of her talking to me. She started wiping her face. She goes, don't tell him anything. Wow. Don't tell him anything. He walks up. He's like, hey, hey. He's like all this posturing, super fit GQ looking. <laughs> Terry Common Jr. with muscles, right? And this guy was posturing. Long story short, they hired me to become their life coach. I wow. never did life coaching before that day, ever. Wow. I talked to Sam privately. I said, I need to talk to your husband. I called her back. She said, she gave me your phone number after they left. She said, call me, call me. 
<laughs> and I was talking to her, she started telling me intimate things. I was like, hey, I can't keep talking to you without talking to your husband. I need to talk to him. He won't, he won't listen to you. I go, he will. Because I won't go and tell him he's wrong. I validated him. I mm -hmm. asked him about his business, how much money he was making, all this other stuff, and the lifestyle he wanted. I stayed in the money with him. Mm -hmm. That's what he was into. Mm -hmm. Long story short, they were both baptized. About wow. he was baptized about a year later. She was baptized the years later, and they mm -hmm. ended up sharing Bible studies all in their houses. That's them right here. Oh my goodness. <gasps> Look at them. Now. The freedom parents. We'll have the link to that too. Yeah, what? They, are, they are one of the most successful businesses in my Optavia business today. I didn't have Optavia at the time when I met them. Wow. All I had was that testimonial on that stage and that talk. Mm. Just like how Keith called me back to hire me for that Bowflex. When you speak life into people's lives, they will remember you. And then when I found Optavia, I brought it to this couple. And they said, wow. no, they said, no, they said, no. They didn't <laughs> work with what their philosophies were. But then finally, they said yes, mm. because of... The relationship that we had. I said, have I ever steered you wrong? Have we ever gone down a route? Would you at least be scientific with this and see what could happen? Because all the reasons you're saying no for, they're based on thoughts. Mm -hmm. And long story short, they've gone on to mentor and help and build an amazing empire as well. You should have them on your podcast. One day. I love I'm not you. joking. They are spirit-centered. Yes. And they have teams and teams and teams. Oh my goodness. I mean, you know how what's great about direct sales is you can have people in your business that go way beyond where you are. Absolutely. Nine people in my business that are way beyond where I'm at in this, which wow. is funny because they're in my business. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's kind of putting it all together. It was, is really the Lord like, speaking and the key is listening and being willing to step through into that unknown space where you are going to, you lose control because it's not you controlling anymore. Yes. Amen. You know, yes. Yeah. Oh, so. Gosh, that's so good, Alex. Well, how did you make the connection from, obviously you, you became a life coach first and then now you still have that, the another level you coaching, which I have just been honored to work with you ever since that one hour call and diving into the habit finder group coaching and then diving into one-on-one -on -one coaching with you has been such a blessing. But how did you get into network marketing specifically and finding Optivia as I know that's your primary source of income, yeah. even with all of your amazing other things you have going on? Yeah, well, I'd like to tie those two together because it wasn't always a straight line. It has not been a straight line for me mm -hmm. with Optivia or direct sales. And so my first experience was back in age of 19. I got involved with Amway at the time. Oh, and wow. In that business, it was basically selling soap. I mean, it was laundry detergent and toothpaste and cleaning products and all that. And I was just all about making money. And basically, I really got some mentorship in the books and the reading and all of that really was what I got the most out of that because mm -hmm. I really did not identify with selling soap and getting people into that. I did sign up a few people. Long story short is it burned a lot of relationships. Uh, people mm. had a bad taste in their mouth about that back in the day. I'm sure they've revamped mm. and gone on. But how it got me so yucky against multi-level marketing, because people were like, literally, I had family members mm. telling me I was literally entertaining the devil and that I'm, oh, God. I'm doing the worst thing and I'm becoming a snake oil salesman by selling these things. I'm like, well, why? If you buy these products here, these are superior and they are at a good price point that are equal when you do the math on it. Why not buy it from a family member versus that? And so I got really a bad taste. And then one of my upline, he did some shady things and it's not reflective of a company, sure. uh, but he did some shady things. And we had a situation where 
I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I mm-hmm. kind of abandoned the whole thing. And I had people prospect me all my years in fitness for, this product, <laughs> for that product and this bike. And sure. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so <laughs> I just got so good at saying no. I think I tried a little thing here and there, but then I was like, nah, I'm just going to stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. So now this is, I met my wife. We are engaged. My wife, Jill, now that I'm married to. Mm-hmm. So I, this mm-hmm. is all post everything that I told you before with the talk and everything. And I hadn't had Optavia yet. I knew the freedom parents that weren't the freedom parents. They were just people who their fitness business was starting to succeed. Their marriage was coming together. I was starting to minister again, but I was on discipline with the church (laughs) because of some things that happened in my marriage. And also when you're going through divorce, they just wanted you to take some time away from Mm -hmm. being out there. So this was a very humbling time in my life, which was great. And I met Jill and we're courting each other. And I think I'd asked her to marry me at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Pretty sure I did. And so a client comes into my gym, a lady comes into my gym and she wants to become a member. And she says, Hey, I'm interested in joining your gym. I need a personal trainer and a fitness program, but I have my nutrition and I have my mindset coaching and all that taken care of with another coach. And I get, this was an Optavia coach. I didn't know mm-hmm. about it at the time. And the business had a different name at the time. And I said, well, tell me more about this. At first I was kind of like, well, what is he doing? What is he saying? You know, a little bit of posturing here, a little ego there. And I really liked what she was saying. I loved her answers. I never heard anybody <laughs> wow. answer questions like, I'm working on the internal focus and my internal desire and I'm learning habits and I'm learning how to restructure my lifestyle and how to think about from just an insight out. And she started telling me things and I was like, gosh, you should work for me. This is really good. Who's your mentor? Who's your person? And I didn't know that Optivia had a direct sales aspect to it. And she tells me about this guy. I'm like, his name sounds familiar. Well, this guy was an ex-Olympian who had done a keynote speech at an event, I was the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce. I was rebuilding my name. I was rebuilding uh-huh. my wealth at this mm-hmm. point in time, okay, in the fitness business, traveling the world, doing contracts again now with this new life of speaking to people's hearts, okay? Right. So new message, new found, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm open now. I'm open. I'm seeking how to do better. So I invite this guy to come in. He comes into my gym. I sit down and I say, I got to know, how did you teach Amy how to talk like this? all these things. She's not a trainer. She's not certified. I asked her all this stuff. What is it that y'all do? And he says, here's how the program works. Healthy body, healthy mind, healthy finances. And I said, does this like a multi-level marketing thing? And he goes, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Very good answer. (laughs) And I started telling him some stuff where you get somebody and then you get paid off of them and then sell people stuff. And he goes, do you like that? And I said, well, I don't know. He had really good questions. Yeah. And I really loved how he diffused me mm-hmm. to finding out what I didn't like about the image of direct sales. And he goes, well, what aspects did you like about it? And I was like, the mentorship, the guy, blah, 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 blah. Wow. He goes, well, we do all that, but we don't do whatever that other thing was that you. you oh know? my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I got to tell you, I'm one foot in interested in what you do and I'm one foot cautious, but I'm scientific. Let me figure this out. So I got on the program. I got my mom on the program. Jill got on the program. I lost 18 pounds in six weeks. I could still do all the pull-ups I could do before, plus five or six more. My mom lost about 140 pounds, not in six weeks, over the course of some time. My wife lost about 40-something pounds. And I was, all right, I want to bring this program into my health clubs for my trainers to be able to coach and mentor people. Well, here's what happened. I ended up signing up a lot of people on this program, and they started referring people. 
within one year's time, almost all of our clients that we were signing up with Optavia and helping them get healthy and well were coming in from around the country. Wow. We're coming in from other people's friends, families, aunts, uncles, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my revenues in my gym compared to my Optavia revenues were the same. <laughs> After <laughs> was amazing. Amen. I've been there. Never, what's that? <laughs> I said, Amen. I have been there myself. So I've been there. I yeah. That very vividly. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I was hardly working any hours. I was just passionate. And I realized that I could really help people create a certain level of freedom in their life. And so I started changing my focus over to mentoring coaches. I'm like, what if I started training people to be coaches? I wasn't really good at that, believe it or not. I was really good at training trainers, but people to own their own businesses, I hadn't figured mm -hmm. that. So there was a skill set gap. So I started mm -hmm. learning that skill set gap and really just paying attention, subjected myself into mentorship, much like being discipled and having yep. fellowship and other people in your life, many counselors. I got into that culture, that community and immersed myself in it. And I've always been a lone ranger, always been kind of a guy yeah. on my own in business. Mm -hmm. This is my first time really liking the people, liking what they stood for, just mm -hmm. who they were as human beings resonated with me. It felt safe. And I love what we had to offer people. So that went and just started taking off. I sold my gym to someone else and gave them that 60 to 70 hour a week job. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and How I was back, <laughs> my wife and I got married. So she did the journey with me and it's just been an amazing ride. And I've had a lot of lessons. It wasn't always a straight road. It still yeah. hasn't always been a straight road, learning a lot of things. And then that led to a lot of other people asking, how did I do it in Optavia? Right. And at that point in time, Jill and I were going through some repeat patterns from my past of me not feeling content in my relationship with her, me questioning things in our relationship. We were having blended family issues mm -hmm. between my kids that were older. And we had some new kids at this, our daughters, Jalen and Lena, who I have twin daughters who are seven years old here coming up this month. I have a 19 year old, Aww. a 20 year old daughter who's going to be a junior in college. Whoa. University, wow. WSU, go Cougs. And <laughs> I have a son who's 14. He's an amazing, we love just an amazing, happy, go lucky individual, a lot like me but some behavioral challenges mm. and it's been pulling us apart. And so I was at a point where I had those feelings, Heather, of, oh my gosh, Octavia is going great. My gym is up here. I just sold it. So I'm out mm -hmm. of that now. And I've got a couple consulting clients that I work with just a little bit on the side, mm -hmm. but I'm not happy again. And I'm starting to feel this fear of what's mm -hmm. going to happen in my marriage. And I started questioning my marriage, started questioning, is this what I want? Is this who I want to be with? And I'm, not giving up. I'm not a quitter. This is, you're not taking yeah. the easy way out. Alex, you're going to lean into this. You're going to get the support that you need. And I reached out for help. And I started telling my upline that I'm struggling. Fortunately, wow. they were very God-centered people. Started right. telling people at the church, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. I'm dealing with thoughts of pornography. I'm dealing with other things like that. I just started getting vulnerable. I started getting courageous. Yeah. I started doing what I've been telling people to do from the stage. I started living the word. I was, I'm not going to preach the word any longer and not say, I don't need help. Mm. And I asked for that help and I got it. I started getting the help. I got a coaching, I got counseling and a guy named Dave Blanchard was told, yes. his name was told to me and Dave Blanchard, here's how it happened. He was speaking on a stage in Orlando, Florida, hired to be one of the keynote speakers for Optavia. And him just touched my soul. It was the mm -hmm. healing moment. 
where I realized I could pull stuff out of the bag of my life that I've been carrying around. God forgiven me for, but I never really allowed myself to own all my life experiences. I never allowed myself to own my welfare, own my molestations being molested as a child. I never allowed myself to own being a victim to racism. I never allowed myself to be to own all of my shortcomings and my stuff that I dealt out to other people. And that that was all part of my life experience. It was the clay that was being given to me to create more. And I don't want to steal Dave's thunder. If you want to read it, it's in the book called The Observer's Chair. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, got, I'll, I can show you the link. You can get links in the yep, book. I've got there. it right over there too. So, but Another we'll book it. called Today I Begin a New Life. <laughs> yes. In Dave's keynote speech. And when I read Today I Begin a New Life, after seeing him speak, reading that book, and then one of my mentors said, I hired this other coach. And I told her about it. And she goes, why did you hire him? How come you didn't hire Dave Blanchard? I go, the keynote speaker? The guy that was on the <laughs> stage? How do you, I can't afford that dude. How do I hire him, right? She's like, can you not afford him? Whoa. Because I told her, I was vulnerable for somebody. She told me, this is where your marriage is at. She told me, this is this kind of stuff you're dealing with. You said that he touched your life on that stage. Try and hire him. I know I have his direct number. I hired him. What? I was like, what? You hired him? She's like, yeah. She's like a muck. She's like the top of the top. Not to be like, no joke. She is the top of the top. Wow. Besides Dr. Anderson, who founded the company. And Dave called me the next day. And wow. I'm like, Blanchard, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So this is the gap between that the keynote and Dave talking to me. It was like a month or so. Wow. I hired him. I was, whatever the check was, it out. Uh, writing it was freaky. I had never written a check for working for somebody for with 12 sessions for that amount of money. I'm familiar with that. Heather. I, yeah, I remember I didn't have it. I had to break it monthly. And I told you, I said, I have this month and next month, and I'm going to need you to help me figure out the rest. And you said, I love a good challenge. And you sure did. (laughs) That's right. And I did the same thing for me and I hired him and he helped me to learn how to own everything in my life. Him and the Habit Finder and Ogmandino group, it's Habit Finder is the company, but before it was the Ogmandino group and it really the principles. And Mm -hmm. I was I want to bring these habits of performance with my life experience that I'm now healing from and knowing what to do with everything that has culminated to this moment. Jill and I started really connecting. I started learning how to talk to her, how to find out what really mattered. I started realizing that things that people say to each other is not the real thing that's mm-hmm. driving what they're saying. There's something below the surface. There's somehow some level of wound or pain down in there how to create goals and how to achieve dreams mm-hmm. in a way that is not anxiety driven, that is not comparative and FOMO driven, but truly coming from you. Dave taught me these things. So when he offered me to become a habit finder coach, I was like, whoa, at first I was, I don't think I can do this because I'm building this Optavia business. And now I have a renewed desire to build this business again. I mean, at the time my Optavia business, I think was doing about $20,000 a month. This was five mm-hmm. years ago. And within one year's time, it went up to 35,000 after coaching with Dave and figuring it out. But at the time when it was doing 20,000, I didn't even want it any longer. Wow. And the reason why I didn't want it was not that I didn't care about the people and the things. I was feeling those feelings again of hopelessness because yeah. Jill and I, and what it was is I wasn't right in my ability to be within myself with a woman. I wasn't mm-hmm. right in my ability to be with somebody else's problems and challenges. And I so bad wanted to just give her the personal training subscription or prescription, but this was going to take me really facing my own stuff. And Dave helped me to do that. So once he showed me that I could do this kind of coaching and help people, it's been amazing. And it's been very successful. I've helped. You're one of the people I've been able 
to help. And I've been able to help your mentor and I've been able to help multiple of your sisters in your tribe. Yeah. And you guys are doing really well. <laughs> and it's the joy to be able to have my own direct business, but also to speak into other direct salespeople's businesses yeah. and help them perform with just their own life mm -hmm. experience in their marriage, with their kids yes, and in their community. Oh, that's so good. And I love seeing it all come full circle and so many amazing stories of, again, the weakest and hardest parts of your life. And I know that's a huge part of that habit finder principles and the today I begin a new life in particular, but really just owning your clay and owning the hard things, knowing that they are for you and it aligns perfectly with scripture. As Paul said in Second Corinthians there, that those weaknesses are not only for you, but they are for you to connect with and serve others. And the fact that you've been able to do that through so many platforms and stuff, I mean, you're still so young. It's kind of crazy to think of the impact and how many people you have affected and impacted. And I know you will continue to in the future. So thank you for sharing all of this with us. And I feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> we might have to do a part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'd love to get into some specifics and some things that I've learned principally, specifically, and practically give those at some point. So yeah, I'd love to come back as a guest. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. We should totally do that. And I definitely want the freedom parents. Is that right? The yeah, absolutely. Harold and Samantha yes. Prestenbach. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> cannot wait to connect with them. I'd love for you to maybe facilitate that connection. Oh, I hundred percent. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful for your time today. And I know I, and I'm sure everybody listening will be so excited to hear more from you again on a future episode. But thank you for sharing your heart and just being vulnerable once again and sharing some things, like you said, that you really haven't ever shared publicly and being bold in your faith. And I'm just, again, grateful for the work that you've done in my life and again, in my marriage through the coaching. And if people want to learn more about you and another level your businesses, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, a couple of places. So if they are looking for guidance and just really wanting to see how they can perform and have joy in the journey in their mm -hmm. life and their business, they can reach me at alexmcmillan.com. Just go to alexmcmillan.com. You can Thank email you. me at alex at alexmcmillan.com. That's M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N for McMillan. And then if they're interested in business operating systems or refining mm -hmm. their process and their ability to do follow up and follow through. We've really refined a product that allows them to follow up and follow through with all of their clientele or their artist team or their teams, if you will. <laughs> and that is Allos Now, A L O S N O W.com. Allos Now, that's another level operating systems, is what Allos stands for. So that's more of the back end business stuff. That's basically email marketing, text campaigns, and other things. We figure out how to make the technology part of in the social media aspects of business, a lot simpler for people. So yeah. Yep. It's changed my business. That's for sure. So that's definitely some great resources there, Alex. And again, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week and I can't wait for our next chat and I can't wait to get back into coaching with you again here soon. Thank you yeah, for everything. Well, I'm excited. I love all that you're doing, Heather, and your team and just the people I talk to that work with you. They just sing praises about you and you're their person who knows where things are you have the structure the systems and <laughs> that's how you're known whenever i talk to them oh yeah heather did this and she rolled out that so i know to your audience i'm not sure what your other stuff you offer people but i know they've got a lot they can learn from you so that's awesome oh my goodness i'm so honored to be able to give back through sharing these stories of people just like you and there's so much mm -hmm. again we could continue to unpack but 
thank yeah. you again for your time today. Oh, welcome. All right. Wonderful. Send my love and blessings over to Roger and the family. Thank you. I sure will. Thanks, Alex. All right. Bye for now. Bye. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode and make sure to share with a friend. I'd also be forever grateful if you'd be willing to leave me a review over on iTunes. And don't forget to check out heatherkburge.com for lots more info. Have a great week.